Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to One Perfect Game, the show about video games and the people who play them. My name is Matt Tilby. I'm your host for this excellent adventure. And my guest for today's episode has been around quite a bit. She is an actor, screenwriter, and now an author. Her debut novel, Ash Ridley and the Phoenix, is now available everywhere. You may know her from her roles in shows like All That, Malcolm in the Middle, and Leverage, or her hosting roles on The Escapist and the UFC. I'm delighted to have the lovely Lisa Foyles join me. Lisa, welcome to the show. Matt, thank you for having me. You have a very soothing voice. <laughs> do people tell you that? All the time. Yes, they do. <laughs> okay, they should. It's very calming. Well, thank you very much. And uh, hopefully I managed to get, uh, I guess, most of the important uh, roles and, and sort of appearances that you've made. Your, your CV is, is pretty stacked, it must be said. Well, thank you. Yes, I think you hit all the big ones, and I appreciate that. Thank you. I've definitely been on podcasts where the the host has, like, no idea, like, what I've done or who I am, and I'm, I'm like, that's fine. Like, I'll explain it to you, but uh, no, it's just, it's very flattering when you just know know all of it. Yeah, I mean, there was stuff that I, I still didn't even get to mention, like, you've you've done voiceovers for video games as well, LocoCycle, um, an excellent indie title comes to mind as well. Like, you've, you've definitely been around the block um, in terms of uh, I guess, using your voice and your acting talent in that regard, so. Yes, well, thank you. I, <laughs> yeah, I've had a lot of cool opportunities. Yeah, but uh, obviously, congratulations on the book first and foremost, Ash Ridley and the Phoenix um, out in thank the world. You. you must be stoked to have it out there. You know what? I am. I'm stoked. It was a very long journey. Um, I come from the entertainment industry where things tend to happen very quickly. You know, um, your agent calls you with an audition on Thursday and you have to be there Friday morning. And then sometimes you book the role and you have to be on set on Monday. And then that's just kind of how quickly things happen. So when I decided to experiment with the literary world, uh, I was not prepared that things move so slowly in that area. I mean, (laughs) on one hand, it's my own fault because it took me like a year and a half two years to write the book because it was so involved and I'm creating my own fantasy world. You know, I've never done that before. Yeah. Um, I wanted to make sure that I researched it and, you know, I, I, every mythical creature that a little kid would want to read about was in the book. You know, I have so many in this book. Um, but then after that, it just took year after year to try to get a literary agent. And then, you know, like I, I won a contest to publish it and then that ended up falling through. And then I went with the, you know, different publisher it's like the whole thing took so long uh and then i finally had a release date and of course it was april right at the beginning of the pandemic last year so (laughs) yeah totally totally didn't ruin my book release or anything didn't have to cancel all of my appearances and my book signings it's totally fine it's all good but you know what it's out and it reached people it's continuing to reach people it's doing better than I expected and uh you know every message that I get on Twitter or from family members friends of friends of you know you know that say like my 12 year old son read this book and it's his favorite book and it changed his life like he he needs the sequel immediately you know that's what I live yeah. for that uh, that's that's what I wanted so it's just cool that it's it's getting in the hands of little kids oh. that's awesome to hear I mean that was the the, the next question I was going to ask obviously was from the original idea to to full completion, how long would you say that took for you? Oh my gosh. Um, like I said, it, it took me like a year and a half to write the book, maybe two years. It's all just foggy at this point. Just, <laughs> you, you stare at words on in a Word document for long enough and everything just kind of goes blurry. Um, I think it took me another three to four years to get it published. Oh, I mean, wow. I'm t- this okay. is a long journey. This is a very long journey. Oh, um, my goodness. And uh, I would love to write the sequel. People have been asking me for it, but I don't know how I'm going to find the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wrote it at a time before I had kids, before I had uh you know, just as much going on as I do now, I was able to sit and write for, I'm, I'm one of those weird people that can just sit at my computer and write for hours and hours and hours for like yeah. seven hours and be like, oh, I can't believe that that much time has passed. I'm going to write some more. But now that is, I, I don't have a life conducive to that idea. So uh, I don't know how I will write the sequel. I'm hoping to, but I don't know. We will certainly see. For those who, I guess, haven't had a chance to uh, to check the book out or, or don't know anything about it, uh, could you give us perhaps like a, an elevator pitch or a, a short synopsis? 
Yes. So it's about a it's like a poor peasant girl named Ash, and she works a thankless, lonely job as a stable hand in a traveling circus of magical beasts. And uh, this little traveling circus goes from town to town in the mythical world of Cascadia. And, uh, you know, they that's how Ash and this witch that she works for, that's how, they, how the witch makes money is she's showing off these magical beasts. And Ash longs to go to the Academy of Beasts and Magic far off in Cascadia. You know, she's dreaming about being one of these, you know, chosen rich children that get to go to this prestigious academy where they train uh magical beasts and uh, it's kind of like pokemon meets harry potter okay and uh <laughs> one night in the in the circus she i'm i'm working on another writing project at the moment and my brain is totally consumed with that that like going back and trying to recap this book is like okay what was it about again <laughs> so i'm sorry that i'm like stumbling over my words no, i swear i know no, what my okay. what my own book is about but i've just been totally immersed in another project the last week so i'm my brain's a little fried um but anyway one night during uh the after the circus it has done its show wow this is the worst recap of all time um one of the animals in the circus is a phoenix like an elderly aging phoenix and uh, ash is the only one there to experience his rebirthing ritual as everyone knows the phoenix dies in flame and then is rebirthed and uh, in this story he comes back as like this tiny little adorable cute little bird that you know hiccups fireballs and she's like oh my gosh and because she was there for the ritual she becomes bonded to this bird and uh, she's kind of swept away and taken off to the academy because she has this, you know, this very exclusive bond with this very rare bird. So, you know, she's this poor kid in a school full of rich kids, and they're all training different mythical beasts. Some people are training unicorns, or many are training dragons, you know, that kind of fun thing. And... Um, and then adventure ensues. <laughs> well, I thought that was an excellent recap, Lisa. You've done very well. <laughs> Thank you. I, you know, you could say any anything in your smooth, calming voice, and I will totally believe you. <laughs> if I could just have a recording of you saying, today's going to be the best day of your life, so I could listen to it every morning when I wake up, that'd just be grand. I will give you my PayPal afterwards, and we can certainly make that happen. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it seems like you've you'd got a bit of, of tunnel vision working on the, the next project, so I can can completely understand that so um but obviously yeah it, it seems like this this jump from acting and, and screenwriting to i guess the first sort of step towards being an author seems like it must have been a a, a big thing for you um you sort of explained your your changes in daily life and, and the pandemic has, has obviously changed that um do you see yourself go, venturing further down that road being more of a, an author or do you still feel that acting and and screenwriting is is something that that's true to who you are it's it's hard to say i i love both journeys and i always considered writing to be my forever career you know when i kind of age out of hollywood or if i don't want to be acting in movies when i'm a grandma you know i still have writing to fall back on because it's sort of my first love uh it's interesting i feel like it's the first thing i ever did that i didn't get uh I don't want to say pushed into because it makes me my parents sound that makes my parents sound terrible. But they my parents didn't push me into acting, but they encouraged me to try it and they encouraged me to try dance and they encouraged me to sing. And uh, and so because of their encouragement, I did those things and discovered that I love them and I still do them to this day. But no one really pushed me into writing. It's kind of just a thing that I started doing by myself when I was really, really young. And obviously my parents were encouraging once they found out I was doing that. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's special when it's something that just kind of came out of your brain, you know, I don't know if that makes any sense, but I've always been writing. And even now I'm so happy that I've been writing since I was like 10 years old, because sometimes if I need an idea, I can I can dip into the well of my writing of all of my Word documents for like the last 20, 25 years, you know, and some some of my ideas I came up with when I was like, you know, 15 years old are really good. I had some downtime the other day when I was in L.A. I just um, 
I just finished filming an episode of a Nickelodeon show called Danger Force. And because of all of the COVID protocols, I wasn't able to walk around the set and hang out with people. I didn't get to go to the makeup department and the wardrobe department and be like, hey, what's up? And, and hang out, which is one of the yeah. most fun things about being on set. I pretty much had to be locked in my dressing room for uh, several days in a row. <laughs> so, I mean, they let me out to go home and sleep and all that. I would hope um, so. And yeah. obviously, I'm <laughs> thankful for the job and, you know, con- I'm happy they followed all the protocols. But at the same time, it was kind of hard to be stuck in a room for that many hours by myself. Um, and, but I had my laptop and I, I just went back into the depths of my hard drive and found an old writing folder. And I just started reading stuff that I wrote, you know, in my teens. And obviously some of it was very awful and cheesy. (laughs) But some of it, I'm like, dang, that's a good idea. (laughs) There was some concepts I had come up with. And I'm like, I still have not seen that in a movie or a TV show in all these years. Maybe I should steal that from my younger self. Um, I don't know where I was going with this. Oh, yeah, my career. Um, So (laughs) (laughs) I would love to write books for the rest of my life once I'm done acting. But it's hard to say if I'm ever going to be done acting because it's my first love. It's my favorite thing in the whole world. It's all I think about all day, all the time. So, uh, yeah, right now I'm still very focused on that side of my career. Uh, But, you know... Like I said, I <laughs> the book publishing process was just so – it took so long, and it was so exhausting. And I, yeah. I was heartbroken so many different times throughout the process that part of me is like, do I even want to write another one? But, <laughs> again, when I get those messages about kids having their lives changed by my book and having their own imagination sparked by my story, it kind of makes me think, yeah, I should probably do this again. <laughs> it's certainly something to – consider uh once things do change for you in your career but obviously i guess that nickelodeon link still lingers you have of course got your start on on all that um tell us about how that sort of came about like obviously that was i guess how most people became aware of um of your talent and and that was sort of your, your big break what was that like appearing on on such a uh, a famous show because obviously you know so many great uh acting talents and comedians have come through the ranks of, of shows like all that and you must have had a bit of a pinch yourself moment sort of being on a on a, a set like that it was a great dream come true story from the beginning uh back when i was in middle school my best friend and i would sit on her bed like when i, I would have like a sleepover and we'd sit on her bed with a tape recorder and we would record impressions of the all that characters that's how obsessed we were with the show <laughs> You know, I grew up watching Keenan and Kel, and Amanda Bynes was my idol. I, I mean, before that, I was a huge Carol Burnett fan, which makes me sound like I'm 60 years old. But <laughs> my mom always loved, like, those old comedies and loved Carol Burnett. And so I used to watch that show, and then Amanda Bynes was just – the Amanda show was just the new version of the Carol Burnett show, so I was obsessed with that. So I would try to do all of these characters – and I wish I had those recordings somewhere because that would be hilarious to have. Um, but uh, but that was way before I ever lived in L.A. and ever decided to be an actor. Um, so I, I ended up moving to L.A. when I was 13. And the audi- I got an audition for season six of all that for a small character, just like a guest starring role. And uh, I didn't even make it past the first audition. Oh, <laughs> like, no, no. It must have been really terrible. I don't know. I was really nervous because it was my favorite show. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to book this. This is yeah. sh- this is a role and all that. And I didn't get it. And I cried. I was so sad. But then fast forward like six months after that, they were looking for a whole new cast for season seven. And uh, after, I believe, seven or eight callbacks later, uh, I got the job. And it was just... I mean, it really was a dream come true. I mean, I'm now on my favorite show. Uh, Keenan guest starred and Amanda guest starred. And we had a, a 10th anniversary special where Danny Tamborelli came back and Kel and Josh Server and Elisa Reyes and Katrina Johnson. I mean, all, everybody came back. It was so, it was so cool. And I know there are a lot of former child actors that get sick of talking about the shows they were on when they were a kid I am not that person I will talk about all that all day every day I mean (laughs) because the more I talk about it the more I remember stories 
and behind the scenes moments that I had because I was on the show for four years. Um, and even and another cool thing is they brought the show back. They rebooted it in 2019. And at the beginning of 2020, right, literally the two weeks before everything shut down oh. because of COVID, uh, I got to do two episodes of the new All That. Oh, yeah. And man, did that feel cool. I got to walk <laughs> back on the set and see, you know, the logos everywhere, hear the theme song, you know, meet all the new kids who are just so kind and respectful, you know, and they <laughs> like were asking me about my time on the show. I'm like, this is so surreal. <laughs> just like whispering, that's Lisa Foyle. So, oh my God. Right. No, it's true. And I was just I'm beyond thankful that I got to be not only on my favorite show for four years, but then return f- with the new cast and be a part of two episodes of that. So, you know, all that's going to stay with me for the rest of my life. I love the show. And uh, yeah, I'll never get sick of talking about it. Well, that's such a heartwarming story because I, I definitely was uh, within that age group where I would also definitely be watching Keenan and Kel, the Amanda show. So it was certainly something that I grew up with for sure. So that was uh, very fun to hear. For sure. Oh, it was, it, yeah, it was our Saturday Night Live. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> I, I was there for the sketches and the comedy. There's, I met a group of people recently who uh, were my age and they watched all that when they were younger too. And they were like, we mostly tuned in, you know, we liked all the sketches, but we were always there for the musical artists because there was always like, you know, Britney Spears and NSYNC. They had huge artists. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was the opposite. I did not care about any of the pop artists they had on the show. I would tune in, watch all the sketches. And then when like Britney Spears came on, I'd just like turn off. I'd just like t- change the channel. <laughs> I just, I was that kind of kid. I cared about the comedy and not so much about you know the pop stars but respect yeah, you for that. a lot of ways <laughs> <laughs> well obviously after that you you'd moved on to a couple of different roles obviously your appearance on that uh, very special episode of, of malcolm in the middle springs to mind yes i just found out that that episode won an emmy for editing yes i did not know that <laughs> until like a month ago <laughs> You think someone would have told me, you know, maybe someone did tell me and I was just too young and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, I didn't care. But now I care. Yeah, Dang, absolutely. So cool. I Such mean, a great episode. You you obviously were, I guess, the, could we call it the gender bent Malcolm? What's the, I guess, what's the correct term? Yeah, for... I guess. I don't know. I was, people call me female Malcolm. Yeah, Malcolm. that's probably a little know. bit, a little bit more PC, I'd say. So yeah, <laughs> you've obviously moved on from then and, and done, you know, roles in, in shows like Leverage and things like that. And then um, hosting became a big thing for you. I think the first time that I became aware of, of your, your roles was when you did uh, work for the game station um, doing, I guess oh, yes. gaming yep. reviews and things like that. You did The mm-hmm. Escapist. And um, I remember we had discussions about you hosting UFC with Forrest Griffin, my all-time favorite yes. UFC fighter. So it seems I like... I love Forrest. I just got to chat with him again the other day. We did a... Uh, while I was hosting the UFC Minute, I was also producing a show called Rankings Report with Forrest Griffin. Yes. And uh, we, yeah, I, we, I called it the Wayne's World of the UFC because we literally <laughs> filmed it in the basement. And I was the only editor and producer i ran the camera and i edited it and then forrest just did whatever he was gonna do and i filmed it and put it together awesome (laughs) and it was mostly just me telling him to spit his gum out every (laughs) tuesday or whatever we filmed it forrest put your gum out all right okay definitely just Um, a show of your own uh, volition for sure (laughs) right yeah um but yeah 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 so i i i have a a huge hosting career that was kind of an accident honestly Definitely, it sounds like it's uh, <laughs> it's all all coming together, and you've had I guess yeah, certainly I, hands it, in many jars. A, I guess and I can the... yes, and I can link it to video games because uh, so basically what happened is I <laughs> didn't really I had played games when I was younger, and I liked them, but I was never a huge gamer growing up. Okay, um, but we had a 360. No, we did not have a 360. That would have been too early we had a regular xbox okay. <laughs> original xbox um in the green room of all that okay and the guys on the show were all about it so they would whenever we were taking a break between scenes they'd come in the lobby and or in the green room and play some games and so i would sit and watch them and i'm like oh my gosh these are amazing this is really cool look at these graphics like this is insane and uh so that kind of i, I kind of got into games by watching them 
And then when I moved, after all that finished, I moved away from Hollywood when I was around 18 or 19. And I moved up to uh, Portland, Oregon. And I made a friends group up there. And it just so happens that my the friends group that I fell into up there were huge gamers. I mean, like, it <laughs> consumed their life. And so naturally, you know, I ended up watching them play a lot of games and I started playing them and I got really into them because it's, it's what I was surrounded by at the time. It's that osmosis, and, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I was, and at the same time, I was just really, really missing um, being on camera because there's not a huge acting industry up in Portland, Oregon. There is one. I, that's where I did leverage, but it's very small compared to Hollywood. Yeah. Where I just left. Um, so I got into, I first started writing. So the, I started writing for Kotaku. I was just doing like guest articles, like humor articles about video games because, you know, I, I just had an opinion and wanted to get it out there. God, I'm trying <laughs> to remember how it all unfolded. Um, but then I started going to like gaming expos and E3 and stuff like that. And uh, when I got back from one of the expos, I decided to film like a top 10 moments of PAX. I think it was PAX. Yeah. It was one of the PAX. Like, um, I, and I, I filmed a video like in front of my blue screen about like my top 10 moments of PAX. And it was very like tongue in cheek. And I, you know, dressed kind of sexy, whatever. It was kind of like <laughs> a character I was putting on, but I was having a lot of fun doing it because I missed being on camera. And it got the attention of the escapist. And so they contacted me and they were like, how would you like to do this for the site, this top 10 show? Like, let's just do like a top five with Lisa Foils and let's just make it ridiculous and silly and funny and you can do whatever you want. And I'm like, yes, okay. I'm in. Because I was combining the two things I was into. Yeah. I got to be on camera and be a character and talk about video games. I think that's why the first season of top five is is it's like so over the top i don't know if you're familiar with that with like the early episodes of top yeah. five but i definitely wore like the micro skirts and the corsets <laughs> and like i kind of played the like sexy dumb gamer girl but it was a character because that's what i had just gotten done doing i was just on all that for four years playing characters and i'd never really wanted to host so i didn't really know how to be myself on camera and be like hey guys i'm lisa uh so i kind of played this gamer girl version of lisa and it did really well and um i got great response and some people hated me because i was this you know over the top sexy gamer girl and <laughs> but a lot of people loved me because i actually knew what i was talking about like i had the knowledge to back it up yeah. and uh, that's kind of how i got into doing videos for gaming because one thing led to another you know i i then started doing those videos for Kotaku and then I started doing those videos for the game station which turned into Polaris and then I started doing it for uh GameSpot and it just kind of kept going on and on and now occasionally I host esports events at the Luxor on the Las Vegas Strip oh so it goodness. was kind of just an accident that I became a video game host <laughs> well yeah better better late than never that's for sure uh I, yeah. I mean you you definitely sort of uh transitioned very nicely into that second part as we we tend to on this episode discuss uh the guests formative years of gaming um were there any sort of particular games you were uh, a fan of when you were sort of getting to grips with with gaming well i had played point and click adventures when i was younger and it was my absolute favorite thing in the world because i did it with my dad it was like our thing oh yeah i remember when i was um really little i it was like the first time i saw my brother playing secret of monkey island and we will get into that later <laughs> but i remember like i vividly remember being a little kid and seeing the pirate ship scene with all the um the ghosts and the skeletons and i'm like oh my gosh that's rad and i remember playing with uh, the box that it came in and the little um like wooden not wooden um cardboard wheel that it came with the like yes. key the like dial a pirate or whatever that was um i played with that when i was little so i have like this memory of of my brother playing it and then when i got older my uh my dad was like we should play it i'm sorry i'm jump i i did a such a good segue into like <laughs> formative years and now i'm ruining it by just jumping to the last I mean the, last leg of the podcast the, but these I'm, segments I'll, I'll, are I'll, very like loose so it's not going to matter too much <laughs> yeah I'll get back on track I'll get back on track um but that was 
you know, that was kind of the beginning was these point and click adventures. And then mm-hmm. um, when, uh, yeah, I started watching the guys in the green room playing Xbox, you know, it was a lot of Halo. And then when I f- fell into this group of friends um, in Portland, it was at what I think is the golden age of gaming and the golden age of modern gaming. And I'm sure that, you know, the TikTokers will disagree with me and call me old. But (laughs) it was right when the 360 was coming out, the PS3 was coming out, and the Wii was coming out. Um, I even worked at GameStop. I always get spot and stop confused. (laughs) I even worked at GameStop for a couple months because I kind of – I had a lot of free time and I was doing a lot of writing and I kind of wanted some comedy to like write about and I never had a real job in my life. And I was like, this is hilarious. Um, I'm going to go work at at GameStop just to see what it's like to have a (laughs) nine to five job. And um, (laughs) didn't last long. It seems. (laughs) It did not last long, but I tried it and it was like mostly telling people that we were out of Wii's. Like we do not have Wii's. Please do not keep asking me every day. Most of the places in the world would have been like over here, like EB Games in Australia was exactly the same. I can definitely remember it for sure. Yes. The amount of times that I told people the boxes up on the shelf are for display only. There is not a Wii in that box. <laughs> I, it almost drove me crazy. It was insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, like what an exciting time in gaming. I think that was the biggest leap in visuals and storytelling in gaming Absolutely. by far. Yeah. You know, like now... You can't really tell that much of a difference going from Madden 19 to Madden 20. You know, it kind (laughs) of looks the same. But, like, back then, like, going from, you know, the original Xbox to the 360, it was, like, mind-blowing what you were watching. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. (laughs) And the storytelling, you know, like, what my favorite game at the time was Bioshock. I still love Bioshock. Yes. but like the twist in that game and the way it unfolded and like the f- like how it scared you like the fear i mean obviously like early resident evil titles did a good job at that too but just you know there's something about the creepiness of that game that like really got to me and i i was really i was really attracted to that series um but yeah like you know the just all of it like the 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 Wii games like i love no more heroes and like how you were yes. using the the Wiimote and all of these creative ways. Like I loved being a, a, I don't like saying video game journalist because everything I did was silly and that's not journalism. A video game host at that time. Content creator. Because I had, yes, yeah, content, yeah. I, content creator before there were content yes. creators. Um, but I just, I loved, I loved being able to be involved in the industry at that time. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you, <laughs> you've 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 gushed so much about it. it. It's it's very rare that we get uh, guests on the show who are so complimentary about all of the games in general. But um, did you feel like, uh, obviously, when you were thinking about writing your your books, w- would games be something that you would consider um, having an influence on future novels in the future? Oh my gosh, I took so much inspiration from Odin Sphere. Did you ever play Odin Sphere? Oh, okay, yes, yes I did. Oh my gosh, (laughs) one of my favorite video games of all time. Uh, (laughs) Anyone who reads Ash Ridley and knows Odin Sphere will be like, oh yeah, she definitely was inspired (laughs) by Odin Sphere in several sections of this book. Um, I just could not get over the intertwining... Uh, storylines of that game and the visuals and just oh my god it was beautiful and the the lore that was involved please go seek out Odin Sphere not a lot of people know about it and it's one of the greatest games ever made well uh, I'll, I'll be sure to uh, toot the horn for that one as the, uh, the yes. episode is released um, as you sort of got older after that I mean obviously you, you've grown up to have a family you're living in Las Vegas now um, do you find yourself playing any modern games or, or any or any particular consoles or, or is that something that's I guess slightly taken a, a bit of a backseat? Yes sadly I do not have a lot of time now to keep up with the gaming industry I don't I really don't play those type of games anymore which is really sad because it really consumed my life for years um, and uh, I've I found that just not being in the industry like you know my knowledge is just not what it used to be you know I'll 
games that I used to talk about endlessly, I'll be like, what was, uh, what platform was that on? Who what was the main character? That I you know, I just, I'm just not in it anymore. Mm. Um, but a cool thing has happened. And that is um, my daughter is four and she's just starting to get into gaming. She's starting Ooh. to get into point and click adventures. Oh. So I just, I just introduced her to the old Freddy Fish games. Do you remember those? Yes, like, the humongous, humongous games series. Yes, entertainment. Yes, 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 yes. So she and I, we just finished, I think we're on Freddy Fish 4 at this point, and she's got it down. But, like, I used to play the first Freddy Fish, like, the case of the missing kelps. Yes. <laughs> like, all the time when I was little. And so just to, like, sit there and play it with her, I swear I was almost tearing up because, <laughs> you know, this game... And then I didn't even realize that Freddy Fish was a Ron Gilbert game. Like, when Ron Gilbert's name showed up on the screen, I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And I will get into why Ron Gilbert has been involved in my life. It's almost weird how much <laughs> I'll get I'll get to that. Um, but, yeah, so, like, yeah, I'm not – I don't have time to sit and, you know, play the the first-person shooters and, you know, stuff that I used to. But, man, it's cool to kind of – to to play the, those point and clicks with her. And I'm sure as she gets older, she'll want to play like, you know, Little Big Planet, those type yeah, of games. For sure. <laughs> I'm so dating myself with all my references, <laughs> but those were the games that I really loved. And uh, I'm excited to, to do that with her as she as she gets bigger. I can't wait to uh, hear that they'll be playing uh, Pajama Sam and Spy Fox um, all yes, throughout the, yes, the next yes, couple yes. of years. So that'll be that'll be fun to see. But um, Oh, yeah. I have a whole list. I'm like, all right, we got to do Sam and Max. We got to do <laughs> Grim Fandango, my favorite, one of my favorite oh, games of all yes. time. You get older, we're going to do Full Throttle. All right. <laughs> Is it going to be young for these. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Is there going to be an age where you might say, okay, you've, you've reached that threshold. Here's Super Mario Brothers and then, like, start her off on that, like, level where she can, like, okay, feasibly go through, you know, actual, like, platformers and, and things like that. Or you, you should oh, sort yeah. of just Forgot about her those. Off on... that's, probably, that's probably where you should start. You should yeah. probably start with Mario and Zelda. <laughs> probably start with the classics. I'm like, no, LucasArts or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't think of a perfect game to start off with, to be honest. So you've done quite well there. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that brings us quite neatly onto uh, the game that you've chosen. Um, obviously, it is in the title of this episode. But Lisa, what game have you chosen for us today? I have chosen The Secret of Monkey Island to the surprise of no one listening. <laughs> if you know me, you know that's the game that I would pick. So here we are. Yes, uh, a, a a 1990 classic, very early 90s um, game. And we had a discussion just before we were recording that uh, obviously way back in the, the lifespan of One Perfect Game, uh, we had a guest on our show by the name of Pete Donaldson who does podcasts in England. He's a voiceover artist as well. Um, he actually picked Monkey Island 2. Um, and he, I believe he has a tattoo of LeChuck on his leg. I'll have to uh, double check that one. But he's, he's definitely been a big monkey island fan so it's 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 good to see that the monkey island series is is bringing people together and um that link has has been maintained i guess that's so funny the only tattoo i've ever considered getting in my whole life was some kind of sprite from monkey island whether it's Guybrush or like the three-headed monkey something like on my ankle but then i'm like oh wait i hate needles and pain so why would i do that <laughs> what um I normally tend to ask, like, what was your first experience with Monkey Island? Do you have any first memories or, um, I guess, what sort of brought you uh, towards Monkey Island? So I kind of already ruined it. I remember at a very young age seeing my brother playing it. And uh, and then my dad introduced me to it. And I just, I just fell in love with it. Uh, like I said before, <clears throat> I always watched, you know, old comedies with, my mom and dad. I remember they would watch It's a Mad, 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 Mad World over and over and over and yeah. the Carol Burnett show. And it, it was just comedy nonstop in, in our house. And so, of course, I would connect with The Secret of Monkey Island over other games because it was funny. And video games are usually not genuinely funny. Like, they'll make you chuckle here and there. But this one had it genuinely is so funny. Like yes. there's some moments where they break the fourth wall and they reference other games and it's, it's self-deprecating stuff. Gosh, it's so funny. Brilliantly 
crafted by Ron Gilbert and then he brought on Tim Schafer and Dave Grossman and uh, it's it was built by such a small team that I feel it was able to you know keep the intended heart and humor from Ron throughout the whole thing you know what I mean like I feel like now there's just so many cooks in the kitchen of every game that by the time it's pitched to by the end it's a radically different game yeah for sure Um, so uh yeah I, i remember reading that tim and dave and ron all had a different type of humor i know one was kind of more uh like dry sarcastic and one was more goofy and they all they all wrote their own characters you know they were all kind of assigned their own sections their own characters to you know so they could each add uh you know their own humor into the game and i think that shows so um so yeah so i played uh secret of monkey island with my dad loved it uh played lechuck's revenge monkey island 2 uh with my dad loved it in fact i go back and forth about every year of which game i like more because <laughs> the second one is so good too because you get to go to all the which one are you islands? swinging towards at this current time i mean right now i'm you know Secret of Monkey Island, I feel like that's because that's the first one I played and because that's what started the whole journey. You know, I'm so fond of that one that I, I mean, that's probably always going to be my favorite one. <laughs> but the second one is also so good, just story-wise. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and then I remember getting Monkey Island 3, uh, The Curse of Monkey Island, for Christmas one morning. And I immediately just, like, ignored everything else I got for Christmas and, uh, you know, got that game on the computer and then me and dad sat and I remember I was eating like these, I also got these strawberry hard candies and I just sat and just ate the strawberry hard candies <laughs> while we played the game for hours. Like I must've eaten a hundred of these candies. <laughs> I just have this very vivid memory of Christmas morning playing Curse of Monkey Island, eating strawberry candy <laughs> for hours. And it was the absolute best. And it took us, you know, days to complete it. And we I mean, that, that's what was so fun about it is, you know, we'd get to a puzzle that we couldn't solve and then we'd turn off the game and then, like, for the for the next couple of days, that's, like, all we'd be talking about. It'd be like, oh, what if we try this? What if we try this? Dad, I thought about this one, you know, this one character. What if we go ask him and get that? You know, so it, it just kind of – it was more than just playing a game to me. It was – not only was the game itself superb, but it was the – the bonding with my dad that added that yeah. know, extra special element. Um, and then, you know, we played Escape from Monkey Island. I know a lot of people don't like that one. I liked it. Again, played it with my dad. I thought it was great. There was a couple sections in that game that I think are some of the funniest game scenes I've ever seen in my life. So uh, <laughs> the only thing is I, I haven't played the Tales of Monkey Island. I know that's weird. It came out years later. Uh, for the Wii, I believe, was that Wii? Yeah, it, it, there was definitely the, um, a couple of like PS2 and, and Wii titles for Monkey yes. Island as well. Yeah, I always meant I always meant to do it, but I don't know, I just didn't. But uh, yeah, I remember I have a couple of funny in-person Monkey Island stories too. Uh, my first game expo uh, I ever went to was PAX. That was the one that I did the top ten list, I think. I don't know. I'm getting it all. I'm getting all mixed up. But anyway, um, Dominic Armato was going to be there. He's the voice of Guybrush, Ooh, and okay. Dave Grossman were was there. So those two were like at the. I think it was the maybe the Tales of Monkey Island booth. It's all fuzzy, okay. <laughs> but anyway, I remember I was running my own video game website at the time. Super cheesy. It was called Save Point. And because I was going to this expo, I, like, printed out little business cards. <laughs> like, it's so stupid. Like, the ones that you buy, like, in the little, like, Avery, you know, cutout yeah. Yeah. <laughs> business card. So I printed out my business cards with, like, my website on it. And I remember I was so excited that I walked up to Dominic and Dave and, like, I, I like, went forward and I, my purse opened up and all my cards fell out, like, oh. on the ground in front of them. <laughs> So there I was, like, meeting two of my heroes, I guess. And I was just on the ground picking up business cards, like, cheesy <laughs> business cards at their feet. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So embarrassing. Um, but I was I was starstruck, you know? Yeah. Those were the guys yeah. that I was – Those out of all the games being released at that expo, that's the only one I care about. Those are the only people I cared about talking to. That's, uh, that's pretty solid in terms of a first impression. Yeah, it was oh, – right. Um <laughs> And then 
again, I don't remember if it was that expo. I've been to so many gosh damn <laughs> video game expos that they all kind of run together in my head. But uh, Ron Gilbert was at this expo. And I was like, I have to meet him. I have to meet him. I have to meet him. Not only did I get to meet him, I got to go to dinner with him and his whole team that was, I forget the game he was working on at the time, but uh, it was another like silly, comedic, gosh, this is going to kill me because I'm going to think about it five minutes after the podcast. But uh, he was he was there kind of promoting another game. Okay. And I was sitting with, my, it was a friend of a friend, you know, it packs like everybody, these expos, everybody knows each other and yeah. they're like, oh, we're going to <laughs> dinner with those guys and we're hooking up with those guys, whatever, whatever. So, um I'm like sitting at this steakhouse and then Ron walks in. He's like late. And of course he makes a grand entrance and he sits down like right in front of me, like across from me. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Like, this is amazing. So I got to talk to him for the entirety of the dinner. I hope I didn't annoy him. I don't think I did because he was very kind and answered all of my stupid questions. And I believe we've exchanged a couple emails since then. And uh, he was aware of, uh, of my, I did a top five Monkey Island moments episode of my Escape yeah, show, and he yeah. was aware of that. And uh, we talked on Twitter a couple times, so I kind of had like this friendship with my hero Ron Gilbert, <laughs> um, who I think is the funniest man in video games with everything he's created. Um, but uh, but yeah, and then fast forward, and I don't mean to be like a downer or anything, but I think this is a pretty special thing. I don't mean to make anyone sad, but my dad. Um, was diagnosed with stage four cancer and it hit him pretty hard pretty quick okay and I remember um, during the like the last couple weeks of um, you know him being alive there was a new mobile game called scurvy scallywags and it was a Ron Gilbert game and I'm like this game is amazing and uh, I remember sitting like next to my dad's hospital bed and playing it with him and like showing it to him and going back and forth and um, so that was the last game that he and I ever played together because oh, wow. you know he passed away a couple days later um, but uh, again that was like a Ron Gilbert game so it's just this cool thing where it's a Ron Gilbert game is the first game we ever played um, you know we played so many other ones that he did, and then it was, like, the last game that we played together. And then oh, wow. now I'm playing Freddy Fish with my daughter, and it's the first game that she's oh. ever played. So it's just, like, this crazy thing. And um, Ron Gilbert probably has no idea that he's been so influential in my personal life. But, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it gives me chills to think about it. Yeah, it's always fun, I guess, on the show hearing about how... Uh, these types of games have influenced people's careers but I think the the most enjoyable and most heartwarming part of it is hearing how they've influenced people's personal lives and, and hearing those stories like you with your father and then obviously you with your daughter it's like that's that's kind of why I'm doing this podcast to sort of spread those stories of you know people bonding over a particular particular game or a particular sort of style of game and uh, that was that was really special <laughs> You know, it's it's not just a movie. You know, it's like with movies, you sit and you watch them for two hours. And yes, they can impact your life and uh, you can remember them for years to come. But when you're playing a video game, you're part of the journey. You're yes. in it. You're you're controlling the character. You're you know, you, your character is saying those lines, but it's it's you. You're embodying that little sprite, that yeah. <laughs> little three dimensional, two dimensional guy. That's what I was about to sort of ask as well was like. I was going to sort of say, like, how, why do you feel like the the point-and-click games were, were so influential in that sort of era? Like, obviously, they probably aren't as prevalent as they used to be, you know, 10, 20 years ago, but you've, you've hit the nail on the head there. It's like you're the one making the decisions and, I guess, finding out what happens with them. Yes, and let's be clear. I am not good at video games. I am not. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, like, if there's a game I really obsess over... Uh, and I put a lot of hours into it. I'll get really good. Like, I was amazing at uh, Gears of War, too. Okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I could, like, beat any little punk-ass kid that came along. Um, but uh, <laughs> but that's the best thing about 
point and clicks, right? Is that like Guybrush, Guybrush couldn't die. I mean, if you stick him underwater for long enough, he'll die. But, <laughs> you know, it, it's just puzzle solving and it's very lighthearted, but it has a, a deep story, you know? And Secret of Monkey Island, you know, he sets out thinking he wants to be a pirate and then at the end he falls in love and realizes it's something else that he wanted all along. And, you know, it's it's got a great story, but most of all, it's it's so funny and it was me and my dad laughing together at the humor of this game and it's very hard to make video games funny many people try and many people fail but this was one of the first ones that really got it right oh that's such a good thing to hear i'll have to see if i can uh, find you the uh, the easter eggs in uncharted 4 i believe there's plenty of uh Guybrush um, Easter eggs in that one, which I think is... Oh my gosh, uh, I played all the Uncharted except for... I didn't play Uncharted 4, but I played all the other ones. Oh, okay. (laughs) I don't Ah, want to spoil it (laughs) (laughs) There's There's Monkey Island Easter eggs in there. I didn't even know that. I feel like somebody maybe tweeted that at me a long time ago, but uh, I need to play that. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, it it seems like point-and-click games in general seem to have have been such a a big part of your life, and it's, it's always fun to see because... Obviously, games are going in a very drastic, different direction in, in the current era. So I think always hearing about how far games have come and the different styles of games that, like I said, probably aren't as prevalent today. But I, I feel like, you know, it's always nice to hear how they've had such a huge impact on people's lives. Yeah. And, you know, like I was saying earlier, I've just always been kind of a weird kid you know I, I didn't really listen to popular music growing up I listened to show tunes and I didn't okay. like shopping and I didn't I was homeschooled I didn't have a lot of friends and um, I kind of like that about my childhood because I made a lot of my own decisions um, outside of others influence if that makes sense yeah um, you know like I was saying with the you know in in Portland like I fell into this group of friends and they were all playing video games that I kind of got swept up and that was a good thing but I think sometimes it can be a bad thing you know when you're younger and uh you know as a as a female you know if I fall into the wrong click you know it's all about you know shopping and like oh my god like Backstreet Boys and blah blah, blah. <laughs> like I didn't have a girl group like that really yeah so you know I was young and I'd listen to NSYNC and be like eh you know <laughs> like Britney Spears eh you know like <laughs> Like, I love Journey. Like, what's wrong with me? I was, like, all about Journey. Like, don't stop believing. Like, I, I was on the Journey train way before they came back and were popular again. <laughs> but uh, but I kind of like that, you know? I, I had a very unique personality that was just it was all my own. <laughs> but, uh, of course, I would like a different style of video games than most people. And, you know, like I said, like Grim Fandango is right up there. I mean, it's yeah. almost tied for first. I loved Grim Fandango. I loved Full Throttle. Like, the Sam and Max games are amazing. Day of the Tentacle, are you kidding me? It's so good. <laughs> Just all, all of them are so amazing. I mean, even when they... Uh, yeah, I, I wish I would have played the, the new um, Tales of Monkey Island because it's Telltale games, right? Yes. You know, they did the, like, Back to the Future yes. yeah, they adventure did. game with that amazing voice talent. Like, I loved that. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't really have the natural skills to be good at shooters, but I do have a, a brain that understands puzzles and comedy. <laughs> it's it's an interesting mix. I'll say that for sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you've probably excited a fair few old school fans, fans of, of point and clicks everywhere. Um, I guess expressing your love for, for <laughs> Full Throttle and Day of the Tentacle, I don't think they get enough uh, mentions over the last sort oh of 10 gosh. or so years. They're, and they're so good and they hold up. You know, that I recently, I loved that they did the uh, the remaster of yes, the first two Monkey say, Island yeah. games. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like all the remasters of the point and clicks that they've been doing. Like I loved that, but, you know, I was playing the, the first two... Uh, remasters of monkey island the first two monkey island games i'm sorry i'm tripping over all of my words today no least articulate i've ever been in my life i'm sorry <laughs> um but uh, i remember playing the remasters and being like it's good but i miss the pixels i miss the old guy brush just yeah. a bunch of squares put together 
<laughs> but they did an amazing job on those. So, and I feel like those are the versions that the versions that most people will play if they're seeking out the game now. So it's yeah. definitely still worth it. They're they're incredible. Yeah, for sure. And hopefully, as your daughter gets older, you can uh, introduce her to a few more of those point and click classics. But uh, yeah, I feel like that's uh, that's pretty much it, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much, Lisa, for joining me on today's episode and, and giving us a bit of a, a brief insight into your. Uh, I guess, a uh, very, very long and storied career. But um, anything that you'd like to say uh, for people, I guess, uh, updates on, on the book or where they can find the book? Yes, my book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, pretty much anywhere you can buy books. It's available, and I would encourage you to seek out independent booksellers because it helps them out. Uh, I also recorded the audiobook for Ash Ridley, and I didn't just record it. I performed that thing. <laughs> uh, it took me like three days because I wanted to get all of the voices just right, and I did a couple accents. And, you know, I, I really did perform it like an old radio show. So um, if you like audiobooks, please check that out. And, uh, I, I also got to do a really fun series recently called Stuff of Legends, where I played Dungeons and Dragons with uh, on Jovenshire's channel from Smosh Games mm -hmm. and uh, a couple other uh, cast members. We all sat around and played Dungeons and Dragons, and then they took excerpts of our of our conversation, like of of us adventuring. And uh, they had puppets say yes, our lines, so they I made us. They that. made puppets. <laughs> yes, they made puppets out of all of us. And then now I have this. I have my puppet named Majelica. You know, saying my voice is coming out of her mouth, and it's the coolest thing. So I'm like, oh my god, I'm a muppet, and this is awesome. <laughs> and uh, it's a six part series on YouTube. All the episodes have been released, but it was such a fun, silly show, uh, which, yeah, it was meant to be very silly, but it ended up being like really heartfelt and it was like you know we really bonded as adventurers so it's it's worth a watch oh, if you're into tabletop gaming that's so and, awesome uh, <laughs> and yeah i think that's my recent stuff my episodes of danger force have not aired yet um but if you follow me on twitter at least foils then i will update you about when they do excellent Yay. stuff yes and of course you can always follow the show at opg pod and if you want to follow me as well you can always do so at it's tilby but from myself matt tilby and my very special guest lisa foils it is goodbye for now take care